back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today, I am joined by the one and only Joe Duffy. Joe, thanks for coming on today. I greatly appreciate you being here. Thank you, Rob. Yeah, it's you're good to uh, be here. Uh, Duffy yeah, has been around for 30 years. Um, a lot of people know the name. A lot of people are familiar with the work that you guys have created. And I know that you've uh, certainly influenced a lot of people over those 30 years, and w- my, you know, myself included. And one of the people that you influenced a lot was actually Brian Collins. And uh, I know of your work because of uh, Brian Collins. I was always, you know, asking him. Brian was a mentor to me. And I was asking him, you know, who are people along the way that really influenced him and whose work that I should kind of look into. And uh, Joe Duffy was always one of the, the first answers. So uh, Brian says his regards and says to say hello. Same back to him. Brian's a great guy and an incredibly talented designer. Yeah, for sure. Um, so who are some of the people along that same line? Who are some of the people that inspired you and uh, people who kind of made a shift in your thinking and got you really excited about design? Who are those people along the way? You know, my path to design was really kind of a winding road. Um, I started out as a fine artist, um, majored in painting when I was in school. Um, couldn't make enough money as a, as a painter. So I ended up becoming an illustrator and then a sign painter, and then um, um, an art director, got involved in advertising, worked for an advertising agency, and then uh, eventually um, uh, became a partner in an advertising agency in Minneapolis uh, back in the early 80s, and then um, wanted to get back at getting my hands dirty again, because I was really an artist, and um, art direction didn't didn't fill that uh, that desire, so I decided to leave my advertising agency and um, form a design company. And it just so happened my friend Pat Fallon um, had recently started an advertising agency in Minneapolis, and they did incredible uh, creative advertising. And they decided that. Um, Every time they took on a design project for one of their clients that was an advertising client, uh, he said they'd screw it up. Right. Um, so he asked if I would um, start a company with him and the other three partners of Fallon um, and keep it separate and yet be compatible and work on design and advertising together. And that was the beginning of uh, Duffy Design back in 1984. And before I did that, um, you know, I... <laughs> I thought, what the hell, I'm going to call two of my favorite designers and ask if I could come to their studio and see how they work and how they were set up, et cetera. So um, I had the balls to call Milton Glaser, who was my, (laughs) he was my hero. Um, And the same thing with Woody Pirtle, who had a design company in Dallas at the time. And the reason I um, was so in love with their work is that they were really artists in my mind. So much of their design was based on their illustrative um, artistic capabilities in creating anything from a poster to a record album to, a, to an identity or, or what have you. So that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to, um, I wanted to create design. But I wanted to bring art into it and actually do that kind of rendering and, and art on my own um, in order to make sure that, you know, the design in the end was a piece of uh, a piece of art that I created. Right. That's so cool. And it must be so kind of neat because at the time uh, I read in your How Design article, at the time, 
that wasn't the norm and, and you, it, it was, you know, nowadays it's kind of commonplace for that to happen, you know, illustrators and, uh, you know, the field of illustration and freelance designers and it's all so competitive and for people in my generation, it's kind of the norm, but why, why was it that uh, design and advertising, as it were, uh, got so far away from, the, you know, the hand-drawn, the tactile? Why did that kind of, had it always been that way or did it, at one point when advertising was getting bigger, it just kind of, they went their separate ways? You know, I think that, that both advertising and design back in the 70s and 80s were more about um, calling upon our creative people from the outside, whether they be filmmakers or uh, illustrators or photographers, to take a concept for an ad or a design for that matter and, uh, and basically art direct someone, an, an, uh, an artist from the outside, and tell them how you wanted the art to be so that it would then become um, your design. And that's still true today. I mean, obviously, uh, designers and art directors uh, from all over the world utilize creative people um, from outside of their own company right. in order to get something done the way they want it done. I, you know, to me, it's it's always been um, it, why I admired Woody and and, um, and uh, Milton so much is that they. Um, they had the artistic ability and sensibilities to actually create the work themselves. And to this day, we use people on the outside to help us execute something if it isn't a style that we can accommodate within our studio. Right. So I'm not saying that that's a, a bad thing to do. It's just that I've always loved being able to, um, to, to literally be hands-on in the creation of the actual design. Yeah, but who are some of the other agencies that you've seen that are kind of following along that same line? Oh, you know, I, I, I admire so many different uh, design companies and advertising agencies. On the advertising side, um, a few of my favorites are Wyden and Kennedy. Um, I think they do amazing work, um, both when it comes to, um, um, you know, everything from TV spots to, uh, to print and outdoor and uh, social media, et cetera. I love their work. Um, I also um, uh, really admire um, Goodby in San Francisco. I think they do amazing advertising. Um, on the design side, um, I've always been a big fan of Pentagram. I've always admired their work. Um, so many applications from Pentagram. <laughs> yeah, from, from all their offices. Uh, so many great designers in that partnership. Um, I love seeing their work, um, and I love seeing the diversity of style within that um, one uh, partnership. It's really great. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I kind of credit Pentagram as being one of the agencies where I I kind of you know as a design when you're in design school, there's the moment where you start looking it up. It's like you know we'll look into places that you might want to work. And I remember the first time I saw the work of Pentagram and uh, Emily Oberman and um, Michael Beirut and Michael Garrick and Natasha Jen and all those people want, wanting to be, the, my end goal being, you know, one of the New York designers, they are kind of, yeah. you know, they are, as far as I'm concerned, they are uh, one of the people definitely set in the bar. So I agree with you on all of them. Why did the Kennedy? Good choices, all around yeah. good choices. In your interview with uh, How Design, uh, there's a quote that I really like, and it says, good clients continually go to people who do good work. Uh, just letting the, the kind of work stand for itself. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, I think um, 
the choices you make in the business of design relative to partnerships with with clients, um, good or bad, really shape your portfolio of work, which obviously has everything in the world to do with um, how how good you can become as a company. Um, to me, it's uh, we have a conversation with any prospective client, um, and at the outside outset, we we ask the kinds of questions that I think make it pretty obvious whether or not we're going to be able to do work for them that we'll be proud of in the end. Right. Um, it, it, it's unfortunately all the clients out there are, are not are not good clients, um, and you have to ask the right questions, right. and then you have to have the right standards in order to make sure that you're not working with a client who is going to force you to do work that is beneath you, that in effect is bad design. Um, to, to me, it's like, it's, it, it's putting the quality of your work and the happiness that that provides ahead of making the most amount of money. Right. I've always felt, felt, felt that way and I've also uh, always felt that one of the problems with the design business is that too many people are in it for having a job and making money as opposed to having a great life and doing work that you're proud of. Right. Over 30 years, uh, what projects do you find or what kinds of projects do you find most meaningful? You know, one of the things I love most about what I do um, as a designer is the fact that it's something different every day. Um, I was just going through um, all the projects that we're working on right now and we're working on about 10 or 12 of them. And they are all so diverse. You know, uh, there's a spirits brand and there's a fast food brand and there's a marijuana brand and there's a, um, there's a, uh, another food brand. I mean, so it's, uh, it's it's the diversity that makes the job so interesting because you can pass from one to another and the next and have this kind of um, really learning experience in all of these different categories with all of these different audiences, uh, with all of these different competitive sets, with all these different cultures. Um, and so w- what I love most is, is taking that deep dive and getting involved in learning about a culture. We've been doing uh, some work in the Middle East, in uh, Qatar, and it's been work that's involved with transforming their economy from a gas-driven economy to a knowledge-based economy. And it's been absolutely fascinating learning about a completely different very strange, by the way, culture, uh, so different from our own. So that's been fascinating. Uh, way back when we literally branded a country, the islands of the Bahamas. Right. And um, going there for my honeymoon. I always te- <laughs> good for you. Yeah, I'll tell you Never right been. where to go too. Awesome. Uh, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's great. We, uh, I, I always tell everyone, it was January in Minnesota. And we were asked to come down to the Bahamas and oh, wow. visit all 14 of their destinations. <laughs> and uh, um, I, I asked for volunteers, and everybody uh, thought that was a pretty good idea. So we did that. We learned about um, everything from 
you know, the, the big islands and the luxury resorts to the little outposts and the fishing, fishing villages and so on. And to learn about a culture like that and in such a beautiful environment and then to come up with ideas that lend themselves to the amazing experience you can have by traveling to the islands of the Bahamas was one of my all-time favorite, uh, favorite projects. It was great. So one of, one of the um, purposes of this podcast is for me, not only me, to uh, ask questions and get to find out career steps, but also to kind of talk to people like yourself and get a better, under, better understanding of what you're looking for and things like that. So when you're seeking out designers to join your team, uh, you know, for full-time positions and, you know, senior designers, art directors, anywhere there, uh, what are some of the characteristics that you're looking for? Yeah, you know, I, I, from day one, and this is literally 33 years ago now, I was always looking for um, designers who I felt were better than I am, right. or at least had the potential to be better than I am, um, or I was. And and so um, that's kind of a general overview. We've been fortunate because of our reputation to attract very talented young designers from programs all over the world. Um, and I... I kind of look at it as a 50-50 proposition. 50% of it is amazing artistic talent, creativity, the ability to come up with great ideas and uh, to be able to draw them, render them, to work them in rough form, and then to be able to finesse them so that they become amazing uh, designs. So that's 50% of the um, proposition. And we can pretty much tell that uh, based on um, a portfolio. We can see the work online, and we know if they have that uh, amazing artistic, creative design talent, then we're going to want to meet them. And then the other 50% comes in. I want to hire people that I literally um, will enjoy going into work and working with every day. So, you know, their, their, their human skills, their ability to collaborate with other people, their attitude, um, their outlook on life. Um, I have worked in the past with a lot of very sullen and difficult people, and I, I, I just, I don't want that. Uh, I've never wanted it, but it, but it happens sometimes. So um, that also enables these young designers to become the kind of salespeople that they need to become in order to be successful in the business of design. It's one thing to come up with a great design. It's another thing to be able to convince a client as well as the people you're working with that right. it is the right thing to do. And so that's, uh, that's really critical. So I look at, at those two, two sides. Right. So w when people bring to you their portfolios, I'm sure that you're constantly inundated with people wanting to work for you graduates and people submitting to you. Uh, what are some of the, the holes you see in people's games? What are some of the things you see that you know, are, are lacking or things you kind of see over and over again? I, the, I think the thing that is most often lacking is the diversity of projects and, uh, and executions of those projects. I mean, brand design today is so diverse as far as what you need to create in terms of applications of an identity. Most of the projects that we work on, virtually all of the projects that we work on, are either the revitalization of an existing identity or the creation 
of a brand new identity for um, a product, uh, a company, or a service. And um, what those all require are extensive brand languages that are not just a logo and not just a brochure, not just a website. It's literally a brand language that can accommodate all aspects of every point of contact with the target audience. So we're dealing in social media, uh, we're dealing with uh, web design, we're dealing with traditional design and packaging, uh, the brand identity and how it's going to affect things like uh, trade exhibits or office spaces or store design and all those different things. So um, I think the thing that is most often lacking is a full range that covers that broad spectrum of design applications that tell me that here's someone who can do it all because that's what we're looking for. Right, for sure. Uh, there's been a lot of talk recently um, about self, uh, self-generated work um, that's kind of coming into, you know, in the past it was kind of hard to do, but now, you know, it's so easy to get your work out there with Instagram or with, you know, a podcast like this and things like that. Um, and a lot of people that I ask these questions to refer to, you know, self-generated work. What's your take on all that? Or can sometimes just the diversity within their portfolio stand alone without being a representation of themselves? You know what I mean? I think the more you do, the better. I think the more that you are involved in the kind of thing that you're conducting right now, the more valuable you become. Because coming up with ideas like this in order to, you know, propel the whole notion of, of, of great design among your peers is is a brilliant idea. I, I love it. Thank you. I think that uh, the idea of um, you know doing a podcast or doing a website or doing um, any form of um, design generation on your part that is going to get out there on social media um, and that is going to make a difference in terms of. Uh, making your feelings known is, is a really, really good thing. I, I love self-generated uh, uh, design applications. It's great. When I first started this podcast, I didn't really think that, that I just thought, you know, I'm going to interview people and maybe people will enjoy it or like it. And then I didn't really think of that as design. This podcast has led me to realize that design is communication. Why is it that, that communication is almost like left out? I don't understand that. I, you know, I think I think it's short-sighted on on people's parts, and I think obviously um, the there are a lot of design programs out there that are kind of have their head in the past as opposed to looking forward. Right. Um, I think it, it's all about ideas, mm-hmm. and sure, it gets down to things like what color am I going to use? What is the logo going to look like? What kind of typeface is a, uh, which is appropriate for this design? All those things are absolutely critical, but we had a, a restaurant client recently that um, had uh, didn't know what they wanted, and they just knew that they, they, they had various restaurants in different uh, neighborhoods, and they wanted to ingratiate themselves among the neighbors in that particular neighborhood, and one of our young designers came up with the idea, what if we did a contest right. where um, people could... We, we, we create this really cool little um, kiosk. Oh, with the chips in the restaurant, with the right. chips. Oh, that's yeah. so awesome! <laughs> and it was like, I mean, what a brilliant idea! It 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 didn't, and obviously we ended up creating the identity and putting it on the chips and designing the the exhibit so that it uh, or the machine that you voted in 
um, to have the branded look and all of that. But the concept behind coming up with that idea in order to generate uh, enthusiasm for their audience, the neighbors, uh, was absolutely brilliant. So thinking like that, thinking out of the box, out of the normal design executions and applications is really, really smart. And every young designer who's doing that is going to have a much easier time of getting the job they want. What we all need to remember is that uh, design isn't isn't business. Design is life. Um, and you learn about um, doing the best possible design by living your life, uh, by getting out there and experiencing things as opposed to going through books of design that's been done in the past or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's all about everyday life and striking a balance between Working as a designer and living as a designer is is really, really critical because as you know and all designers know, you know, sometimes you come up with your absolute best ideas while you're out riding your bike or walking your dog or cross-country skiing or what have you. Um, You never stop thinking about about design because it is literally not your job, it is your life. Everything you do is about design. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, I mean, going back to your earlier question, who, what kind of people are we looking for to come to work at, at Duffy? And I want that. I want people who live design as opposed to people who just want a job. Because right. if that's all there is to it, um, you know, you're, you're not going to be as good as you can be. You, you literally have to live a designed life um, and, and not just go to work as a designer. So I've heard you saying about um, in previous uh, interviews about uh, not settling. Don't do anything that's beneath you. Um, don't do anything that's not work. You can be hang on the wall and, and be proud of. When you're trying to get a foot in the door and you need to pay bills, you need to do things. And a lot of people say, well, I need to have a job or I need to stay with this company because I need to pay my bills. But they, really, they, they know that they don't like what they're doing. What would your advice be to those people without blowing up the whole thing, if that makes any sense? Yeah, no, it does. I, I mean, I, I, I know people have to make a living, particularly when they're starting out. They have to get their foot in the door and start generating some, some real design work as opposed to just a student portfolio. Um, my um, advice to them is that if they have to take a job in design, like at a department store or some kind of in-house arrangement where they're not allowed to do work that they're really proud of, keep looking, you know. Right. Do the best possible work that you can do, but constantly have your ear to the ground in order to find the kind of situation where you are going to ge- be able to generate your, your, your best work, work you're proud of, because in the end, that's what's going to make you um, not only a successful designer, but a successful person. Right. And there's nothing worse, and believe me, I've known so many people in my life who... Um, couldn't stand going to work every day, you know, <laughs> they just imagine. dreaded it. Even some who made all kinds of money, they couldn't stand working. So they ima- imagine getting up in the morning and not wanting to go to work and spend the majority of your day doing things that you really don't want to do. I feel like, a lo- I also feel too, like a lot of people work at that job and say, oh, they'll never respond or I'm not worthy of working there. I'm kind of a big believer in reaching out to your mentors and saying like, you know, hey, what, what do I need to do to work here? You know, it's, it's uh, when I called up Milton Glazer and Woody Pirtle, I thought they're probably just going to laugh at me. They mm-hmm. both invited me to come to their studio mm-hmm. and both told me 
how they work, sh- took me through projects that they were working on. And, you know, I was I was your age. Yeah. And so um, it's it's like you, you, you've got to be bold. You've got to be willing to go out there and um, test the waters and really fight for your ability to do great work. Did you have, did you have any other uh, experiences like that where you reached out to um, people of that caliber and people like in your young career? Who did you reach out to other than Milton and them? You know, I um, made it a point from the time I started Duffy Design to really get out there and socialize with designers. And fortunately, we had projects that took us to different cities around the United States. So whenever I did, um, like I'd go to San Francisco and I'd I'd call up the Michaels at that time, Michael Cronin and Michael Vanderbilt and Mm -hmm. Michael Mabry. Uh, they were the hottest designers in the country at the time. I called them up and I said, hey, I'm, you know, I just started a design studio in Minneapolis. Always admired your work. I wondered if I could stop by. Can I buy you a beer or whatever? And um, early in my career, I did that everywhere. When I went to New York, when I went to Chicago, when I went to Miami, uh, San Francisco, LA, whatever, I would always contact those people that I admired. And Fortunately, because of organizations like AIGA and other um, de- design groups that I've been a part of, um, going to conferences and going at, speaking at, at uh, different AIGA uh, chapters around the country, um, that has enabled me to meet a lot of my peers and a lot of people that, uh, whose work I admire. And you got to socialize and you really have to stay on top of who's doing what. And, um, and to make sure that you're connected to the design community because obviously, um, you know, it, it, it goes in trends and it flows in different directions and staying on top of it, regardless of your age, I think is a really, really good thing. So get out there and meet people and uh, see what others are doing. I want to talk about like, like packaging design because I, I love your, your packaging design work, especially the work that you do um, with Fisher Price and then uh, Fresh Start, is it called? What's the other one? The- uh, Bright Starts. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful work. I'm not really sure why. Right. I just think I'm a big fan of like bright and bold colors. So like when I see the children's packaging, it looks so fun. And I, that's on my bucket list of things to do. But then you also work with yeah. all kinds of different ones. But you also work with like um, craft beer and, and things like that. Um, how is it difficult like when working with multiple clients to transition from one to the other? Because they're so different. I mean, your poor, your website from one to the other, they're completely different. When you do that yeah. during the course of the day, what's that like? Or is that really fun? You know, it's as I mentioned early on, it's one of the things I love about design. But, you know, we're working on 12 different projects and each one is very, very different and unique uh, uh, from, from the next. And so on the one hand, you kind of have to... Um, think in different ways depending on the audience and the category and the competitors and and all of that what it's going to look like on a shelf at a liquor store versus what it's going to look like on a shelf in a toy department Um, it's extremely different and yet um, the choices that you make relative to colors and shapes and typefaces and uh, physical designs and how it's printed and all those things Mm -hmm. they end up informing those same kinds of decisions that you're making for something in another category. Right. So in other words, the, the, the learning experience that you have in one category like toys um, has something to do with um, 
what you're going to need to know in order to do the best kind of uh, package design in a completely different category. Right. And it's, um, to, to, to me, I think the best design becomes the most unique design because it is, it isn't just about the photograph or the logo or the colors or whatever. It's about all those things crafted in a way that will separate it from all of the competitors on any kind of shelf. That's what package design is all about to right. me. It's, it's like, how can it draw you from 30 feet away um, because it's the most unique shape or it's differentiated from a distance? Right. And then how can it, when you get up close to it, make you want to literally pick it up and feel it and touch it and turn it around right. and whatnot? Um, to me, that's the most successful package design. And it's true in any category. Um, and, and so... You learn from the experiences that you have by creating in one category and bring those to another. Right. Quick question on that. So, like, I've heard a lot of conversations. And I know Brian Collins mentioned about, um, you know, live with me uh, versus like buy me brands. I'm not sure if I'm getting the expression right there, but you know, yeah. one is like Windex and the other one's like Method. You know what I mean? So, one of them yeah. you want to have displayed in your home, the other one you kind of put underneath the kitchen sink. Do you feel right. that? Uh, that package design is now going towards what's the the best design, or is it is there still a valuable market for standing out? You know, you know how we. I think, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I, I think it really has to accomplish both. It it has to stand apart. Right. But at the same time, I mean, we we did uh, classical pasta sauce back in. 1985. Um, it's changed since then. But when we did it, um, it was a matter of uh, crafting something that people would actually want to save <laughs> after they were finished with it right. and use it for to put pencils in or to put coffee in or whatever. We made yeah. this amazing jar, this mason jar with a really cool label on top. And um, what we wanted was to make sure that people would actually want to have that in their home. And that's why they were drawn to it. It was a great product, um, but, uh, you know, it was also something that they would uh, like to have on their shelf, in their refrigerator or whatever. And it's the same thing with, uh, with the spirits brands we do. A big part of it is what is it going to look like on your bar top you yeah. know, or on your shelf? I mean, we, we did recently... Um, line of super premium rums for Bacardi. Yeah. And I can't tell you, I mean, they're like $250 a bottle, right. but people use them almost as centerpieces as opposed to just something that holds uh, this, um, this amazing product. And I think that's, uh, that's one of the fun things about doing packaging. It's something that is, it has to be utilitarian. It has to be appropriate. It has to be affordable and whatnot, but it also has to be something that people are drawn to because uh, they want to fit it into their lifestyle, not right. just uh, tuck it away and, you know, um, put it under a, right. um, a under sink. the sink. <laughs> now I think design has to do much more, but do you think that design is now has to bring joy to people? And do you think that that's possible? Or is that do we think that way because we're designers? I, no, I, I think it, it literally... Uh, does bring joy to people. They're drawn to it uh, because they like the look of it. Um, they like the messaging because it tells them what this product is about. Right. And I'll tell you today, much more so than when I was your age, um, 
millennials in particular are so articulate about design. They have great taste in design. Um, they're willing to pay more and, and maybe buy less, but have it better. Yeah, for um, sure. So I, I, I think um, design is something that is more and more important all the time. And uh, the, the practical thing for anyone who wants to hire a designer to do package design for them is to make sure that um, they're going to create something that will first and foremost stand out, but then, then be people will be drawn to it um, and w- want to make it part of their day-to-day life. Right. That's so awesome. All right, last question. That was amazing. I love that last part. That's going to be in the best of clips for sure. Um, <laughs> uh, so over 30 years, uh, one of the things you talk about is, is maintaining perspective. As you reflect on your you know, design career and the legacy that you've built and continue to build, um, what's your perspective now on design and on life and what, what are some of the biggest things you've learned over this amazing journey you've had? Well, um, you know, the most important thing I learned was that it isn't, it isn't a job. Um, it's about my life. I'm fortunate in that, uh, um, I lead a, a relatively small company um, my children are my partners. Um, they were literally brought up in the design world. Um, and the reason they got into design uh, is because they saw how much I loved it. They saw how much I enjoyed doing it. And so both my daughter, Bridget and my son, Joseph have been my partners for, um, 20 years. And, uh, it's been, it's great. That's another joy that I have. And I think to me, it all comes back to um, what we were talking about earlier. It's kind of you, you have to wake up in the morning and really be excited, and and you have to be able to go out for a walk and be thinking about the work that you're doing, um, and you have to strike a balance between all the things that you love to do in your life. You know, I, I love to get outdoors, uh, come up to this cabin, go cross country ski or go fishing or ride my bike and, and be in with my grandchildren and my kids. Um, all that stuff is um, in so many respects more important to me than my business. Right. And so striking a balance uh, between what you do for a living and all the things that you enjoy doing in your life, I think is absolutely, absolutely critical. Right. And that's the thing that I've learned over time. And I think it be you know the older you get, the more um, apparent it becomes. You only have so much time on this earth, and you have to be able to enjoy what you do um, in relation to your family, your friends, but also in relationship to what you do for your living. And uh, I couldn't stress enough um, um, emphasizing that you're working at things that you love doing with people that you love being with, and uh, it's going to make your life that much more um, rewarding, yeah, that much sure. more valuable. Absolutely, and you know everything that you just said. It, it's funny because when I quit, when I quit my job, um, and kind of gave up that steadiness and just kind of leaped into the arms of complete strangers, looking for that sense of community that would kind of reassure me that that kind of thing was possible. It was there, and that's what been the most meaningful thing this year. As I look back on the year, was that like, you know what you just said a lot of a lot of the times your parents or your the people that you work with who li- live in their jobs and their 
you know, jobs that have been around for years, I tell them that, you know, I want to work with people that I love doing what I love. And their idea is like, well, you know, maybe you should get a, you know, do, do something that will pay the bills. And I'm like, no, no, I'm telling you, that's, I'm chasing that dream. And there are people yeah. out there that are going to help me get there. And for the time yes. being, it's a little bit tough to show that because, you know, I'm so young in my career and trying to put it all together. But I know that if I, you know, I'm def I'm not stopping now. I am too far invested no. into it. And I know that people like yourself and, you know, other people that have mentored me along the way are going to be there. And eventually one day I too will be in the log cabin. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll get there, Rob. For awesome. sure. You just got, you just have to keep fighting for it. That's great. Yeah, for sure. Joe, this has been amazing. This is one of my favorite podcasts. I say that every time, but I always mean it. Uh, this has been so cool. And uh, if I'm ever in Minneapolis, I'm going to have to come. Uh, or if you're ever in New York. Right now, I'm pretty broke. So the odds of you should come to New York first. So Yeah, I'll, I'll be there and I'll look you up. It'd be good to get together again. And I really appreciate your time today. Uh, it's been fun. Awesome. Great thank question. You. I had fun too. So Joe, thank you so much. And I greatly appreciate you being here. Great. All right. Take care. See ya. Bye-bye.